You're listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. Hey everybody, this is Claire here at the American Council of the Blind, and welcome back to another episode of ACB Advocacy Update. Like I said, my name is Claire Stanley, and I'm the Advocacy and Outreach Specialist, and sitting next to me, fortunately, unfortunately, depends on your view, is... Clark Rockfall, Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs for ACB. So thanks to everyone who's joining us over ACB Radio, as well as those who are downloading or streaming via their favorite podcast players. Awesome. Um, so we'll jump into our podcast in just a second. Um, we'll introduce our speaker who we're really fortunate to have today. Um, but as always, please uh, let us know what's going on in your, uh, your, your hometown area. If you have any advocacy issues, you can always reach Clark or myself at advocacy at acb.org. Again, that's advocacy at acb.org. Nothing's too big or too small. Please feel free to reach out. I'll make Clark read all the emails and then, you know, report back to me. That's right. If you have any complaints, please send them to Claire. If you have anything that you like that ACB is doing, feel free to send that to me. Another thing that we've started to do recently, and if uh, any of our sassy um, site and sound impaired members out there or part of the deafblind community, if it's of interest to you, we are now providing transcripts of all of our podcasts. So if those are helpful, helpful to you or if you have feedback, please share that with us. And if you have any friends who are members of SASE or the DeafBlind community, please spread the word. We want to make sure that everybody has access to our podcast. Um, so without further ado, we will introduce our guests today. Um, we are joined by Dan Kelly, and I, I feel like I can't do it justice. So would you like to introduce yourself, Dan, to our listeners? Oh, thanks very much for the introduction. As I said, it's my first podcast, so I'm very excited. I'm Dan Kelly, Chief Operating Officer of IFB Solutions in uh, Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Great. Dan, can you share a little bit about your background, both personally, professionally? Happy to do so. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so I've uh, I've been blind my entire life. I have retinitis pigmentosa, the third generation in, in my family. Uh, both father and grandfather had the eye disease. Um, my my son, uh, who is 10, Jack, uh, also uh, has RP, uh, unfortunately, but you know, like everything else, we're, we're working through it. Uh, so we know everybody struggles in, in, in trials. Um, I've been involved in the uh, Ability One program for almost two decades. I feel like an old man. Um, <laughs> but started, no, in, sure. started in employment and re- recruiting business uh, out of college and uh, and then moved on to work for NIB for five years, the National Industries for the Blind, and then IFB Solutions for the last uh, 12 years as Chief Operating Officer. So, Dan, I know most of our um, listeners are familiar with what, a, I can't talk, are familiar with what Ability One is, but just in case we have listeners who aren't as familiar with the program, do you mind giving a quick blurb or summary on what Ability One is? Absolutely. Uh, I'm biased, I'll start with that statement, but I think the Ability One program is one of the best public-private partnerships ever created by Congress. Uh, passed under the Javits-Wagner-O'Day Act in 1938, uh, the US federal government has to purchase products and services anyway to do their daily business and their mission-critical activities that 
keep us all safe, whether it's the Department of Homeland Security or for our warfighters in the Department of Defense with military clothing and what have you. And what better way than to create job opportunities for people who are blind and have other severe disabilities than through the purchase of products and services set aside for procurement through not-for-profit agencies that create now over 6,000 jobs for people who are blind across the country. Mm -hmm. So it's just a, it's a great win-win program where the government doesn't spend any of our tax dollars on stuff other than what they need to buy anyway. And it creates 6,000 jobs on an annual basis for people who are blind. Great. And what a great program to discuss during uh, October, which is also National Disability Employment Awareness Month. And Dean. Yeah. And Dan, you talked about the the 6,000 people who are employed annually by the Ability One program. Uh, but in addition to being an employment program, this program also offers upward mobility and job training and business growth as well, correct? It has really expanded to provide so many opportunities for, for people who are blind. I was part of the National Industries for the Blind inaugural uh, business management training program class where 29 of us went through a went through a program in 2003 to 2005 with the University of uh, Virginia Darden School of Management, their graduate program, and uh, you know, created a lot of upward op mobility opportunities for me. And uh, that program, as well as so many others, have created uh, upward mobility for so many others within the uh, you know Ability One program. Uh, you know, we at IFB Solutions now have over 40 individuals who are blind or visually impaired in management and leadership positions around the organization. So uh, just just great opportunities for advancement and career advancement uh, within our organization and, and across the country. Um, you'd also, you know, mentioned the other services that are, that are provided. Um, you know, we're, we're not-for-profit organizations, and so the, the money we make from our Ability One contracts doesn't go to lining the pockets of stockholders or what have you. It goes back into the programs and services that that we provide, uh, whether that be uh, low vision services for people across the country who come to one of our four low vision centers in North Carolina or, or Arkansas, um, or uh, low vision centers run by many of the other 90 not-for-profit agencies that are involved in this program and create these employment opportunities. Uh, we're also doing uh, outreach and, and kids camps and after-school care programs for children with visual impairments. Uh, and I know many other associated agencies for the blind do the same thing across the country. So just a, just a great use of uh, taxpayer dollars, again, who'd have to uh, buy stuff anyway, and uh, are doing that and doing good work at the same time. What a great way to l leverage the everyday workings of the, the federal government to provide these great um, services and opportunities. And you said you're down there at uh, IFB Solutions in North Carolina. Um, can you talk with us a little bit about the, the specific work that's done there at IFB? Yeah, sure. Yeah, IFB Solutions has been in uh, Winston-Salem, North Carolina since 1936, so 83-year-old business. Um, we are now expanded, of course, and uh, beyond Winston-Salem uh, to three uh, major centers of manufacturing and job creation, so Winston-Salem, Asheville, 
North Carolina, and then Little Rock, Arkansas. Um, we run retail stores on military installations and bases from West Point Military Academy up in New York down to uh, Guantanamo Bay, Cuba on the military naval base down there. Oh, and, wow, uh, I didn't know that one. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, if you've never been there, it's an exciting place to go. <laughs> no sarcasm there at all. Um, and uh, and uh, our call center staffing operations in uh, Sacramento, California, and uh, El, uh, El Paso, Texas, uh, Irving, Texas, around Dallas, and uh, and some individuals that work from home, too, in our call center environments on different federal contracts. So we're now little old Winston-Salem, the largest employer of people who are blind with over 500 associates that uh, that work for us in 14 states. So Dan, one of the cool, well, what I think is one of the really cool things that you guys do down there at, uh, at IFB is you have a, an entire optical, optical lab, correct? We do. We've been making eyeglasses since the uh, mid-90s, um, so almost 25 years. Um, and it, it's you know we've we've heard from so many of our employees it's it's great uh to be able to help people see better and uh you know blind people making eyeglasses for us military veterans and our commercial customers um it's been a, a tremendous experience mostly because it's a, you know it's a really a commercial operation our <laughs> optical lab looks like just like anybody else's and uh, people are learning great career skills al along the way and all those skills are, are transferable to, to any you know any any outfit so our lab runs just like anybody else's. I think that's such a great thing to, to mention and highlight is that the skills are transferable meaning it's such a great uh, career opportunity right here and right now for people who are blind but then it's also an opportunity to be able to transfer those skills to anywhere they um, might or wants to go in the future. So it's a great opportunity to help people build up their resume. Yeah, and such, uh, I'll just give you, you know, a couple of examples. We, we've had folks that, uh, you know, are, have become, who are, folks who are blind who have become certified, uh, you know, American Board of Opticians certified opticians, uh, you know, gone through that testing and those requirements. Uh, one individual who retired from us a, a couple years ago, uh, you know, lost her job in a commercial provider, but was able to get the accommodations and continued the great work and helping, you know, fit people's glasses and dispensing glasses at one of our VA locations that we had in, in South Carolina. Um, and then, you know, we have several folks in customer service who've gone through the ABO certifications and become have become certified, you know, uh, board of Optician of Certified Folks, um, and just to get that professional accreditation uh, well working for us. They've been thrilled to have that opportunity and uh, increase their wages and, and move yeah. ahead in their careers. That's great. Dan, the, uh, one of the main drivers for the business at your optical lab is a contract with the, um, the Department of Veterans Affairs, correct? It was uh, until recently, unfortunately, yes. Yeah, and there's been some challenges there? There have been. Uh, we've been in an unfortunate legal battle for the last three years to try to protect our work with the Department of Veterans Affairs and, more importantly, protect equal rights to employment for over 70 Americans who are blind that were working in our optical lab up until the end of September of, of this year. Mm. 
Do you want to talk a little bit more about that that lawsuit? The, uh, the I put my lawyer hat on here, and it's something that I've been really interested in following. following. Um, and I can kind of give a quick summary, um, but I think you would add far more value based on your experience. But basically what we're seeing is that under some new legislation, uh, uh, more contracts are be being given to veteran-owned businesses. And like Dan was saying at the beginning, under uh, the Javits-Wagner-O'Day Act, these contracts in the past had been given to um, these disability-specific contracts. And so we're now kind of having a, a superseding policy that's starting to potentially um, bring about negative implications for these um, programs that are benefiting the blind. Um, so we're starting to see, you know, what are we going to do? Are these blind individuals going to lose their jobs? Are these opportunities going to be taken away? And again, I'm Jan, I'm sure you can explain this in far better um, detail than I can, but do you mind talking a little bit about the act and what's going on? Sometimes for the last three years, I feel like I've been playing a lawyer on TV, so I'll try to do my best for, for your audience. The, the first thing to mention is, you know, there's these two laws on the books, right? The, the Javits-Wagner-O'Day statute, you mentioned the Ability One program that creates jobs for people who are blind and with other disabilities to include many blinded veterans and uh, other veterans with other disabilities who want the opportunities to work and opportunities for employment that they're not able to achieve or, or find. In 2006, this uh, other law was packed through the Veterans Beneficiary Act, which is strictly focused on awarding uh, opportunities to veteran-owned small businesses uh, through competitive procedures with the Department of Veterans Affairs. Those two laws coexisted, one in this mandatory source space, the set-aside contracts through the Ability One program that create employment, and the entrepreneurial opportunities for veterans through this veteran-owned small business law. They coexisted side by side for 10 years mm -hmm. with really no issue or interaction um, until 2016 when a veteran-owned small business decided to sue the Department of Veterans Affairs uh, for uh, the, the VA's compliance with the Ability One program and basically said these opportunities for eyeglass manufacturing or for prescription bottle manufacturing or for glove packaging or for switchboard operations sh should instead of going to Ability One program participants that create jobs for people who are blind, they should be going to veteran-owned small businesses. Mm -hmm. um, and unfortunately, you know, the VA and, and IFP Solutions who intervened in the lawsuits, uh, the, the courts haven't been going our direction at the, at the district court or at the, um, at the circuit court level. And we've now taken this, this case, uh, our petition for uh, certiorari or, or petition to the Supreme Court went in on, uh, on September 9th and, and we are in process of waiting to hear from the Supreme Court whether they're gonna take up our case. Mm. Uh, Dan, you mentioned that uh, approximately 70 employees will be um, impacted by the loss of the uh, glasses contract with the VA um, program-wide for the Ability One program. Do you have a sense of how many blind and low vision employees um, could be impacted by this decision? And in addition to the employees, um, the potential loss of services provided by these agencies. Um, to the greater community who's blind and low vision. 
Yeah. Um, as as mentioned, uh, you know, like you said, we we have we had 76 individuals who are blind in our optical lab, and and that that now is sitting at 22, um, based on the loss of three of our major contracts. Program wide, 34 agencies for the blind uh, have contracts with the Department of Veterans Affairs that are you know under threat right now. That and and those organizations employ upwards of 800 people who are blind mm -hmm. uh, on those contracts. If we add individuals with other severe disabilities that also have contracts with the Departments of Veterans Affairs, this is an effect on nearly 2,000 individuals who are blind or have other severe disabilities. Mm -hmm. So it's it's impactful um, uh, and, and in a negative way on, on both the employment piece and, and, and as well as you mentioned the the services that we provide um, the community. Uh, we we talked about earlier the the our the funding that we get from these contracts isn't going back to you know stockholders or shareholders because we're not for, for profits, but it is going to provide all these other services and and you know we as an organization and I'm sure others are going to have to take a, a very strong look at how we're going to restructure our businesses and and uh, um, what services we're going to be able to continue to provide the community. Yeah, and this is an issue that we've heard about um, more frequently this year from ACB membership throughout the country, whether that's folks here in Virginia, Florida, um, Texas, Illinois. And I think that's one of the reasons that the ACB membership drafted and voted uh, unanimously to approve a resolution at our annual convention this year, you know, citing the, you know, upwards of 15% of the Ability One blind workforce, those uh, potential 800 out of 6,000 employees that could be impacted and people who could potentially lose their jobs. In addition to the folks throughout the country that will lose access to organizations um, you know, a lot of people are familiar with the uh, the lighthouses for the blind throughout the country. A lot of those places have Ability One contracts and they provide services. So to think that those services may no longer be available to folks who are losing their vision or have gone blind, that's, uh, that's scary for a lot of folks. Yeah. So here at ACB in the national office, we were approached um, to help in this issue and we gladly um, said we would love to help and in the way we're helping specifically right now is drafting an amicus brief um, meaning we're amicus or friend of the court and this brief basically just talks about the negative implications that really already have arisen but will also continue to rise as a result if these um, contracts continue to be um, eliminated and so we have been partnered with the law firm who um, via pro bono very graciously are helping us draft this amicus brief to really again highlight the negative implications that have arisen and people like Dan Kelly and other um, members of IFB and similar Ability One programs have been 
so helpful to help us find different people to share their stories, provi provide statistics, and just talk about how hard it is as somebody who's blind to um, get a job or continue to stay employed. So we're really excited to be able to submit this amicus brief and you know put in you know such a small um, bit of help, you know, but anything we can do to help work on this case because ACB does believe it's an important cause. So, Dan, either legislatively or in the courts, um, what are the what are the next steps here for this issue? Sure. And um, by the way, if I if I haven't said along the way, thanks to ACB for your participation in, in both of this from a from a resolution standpoint at your national conference to uh, your filing an amicus brief. This is important to the. Uh, entire uh, community of people who are blind, uh, all Americans who are blind, and most important to the seven out of ten Americans who are blind and, and looking for work and are you know on, unemployed. Um, one thing I, I just want to make sure your listeners know is this is not a fight between people who are blind and veterans, right? This is a, a technical procurement law issue that affects both populations, but. There are many people who are blind who are, like I said, also veterans and seeking employment opportunities and, and others that are, uh, you know, veterans who want to be entrepreneurs. And the VA buys $26, $27 billion a year worth of stuff. There's plenty of room um, to share, uh, to grow the pie, to go exist side by side and create both employment opportunities and 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 opportunities for entrepreneurship and, and business ownership. So I just wanted to say that first. And, and you know, I, I think the fortunate thing is here, um, this great republic that we live in, we have opportunities to take this to the Supreme Court and your participation in that has been wonderful. We also have an opportunity to, to go forward and change the law uh, make with Congress, right? Make Congress's uh, clarify the intent of what Congress meant and how these two laws that are on the books are uh, to interact. So those are the two initiatives that we're certainly engaged with along with our other uh, sister agencies. And we're so proud that ACB is standing by us, uh, Source America is standing by us on the side for people with severe disabilities, blind veterans of America and and Please don't hurt me if this is a dirty word, but also the National Federation for the Blind, where the entire blindness community is all on the same page on this issue, which is tremendous. It is. It's great. No, it's true. And uh, are there opportunities or will there be opportunities in the future for our members if they would like to weigh in um, for, their, for them to do so? I think there will be more in fairly short order, but if you want to do something immediately, it never hurts to call up your congressional house representatives or your uh, your senators and say, protect the Ability One program and jobs for people who are blind uh, working on VA contracts. Uh, that that message has been told on Capitol Hill for, for a long time, but especially over the last six months. And uh, we're all actively working uh, you know, we don't have we don't have a bill introduced yet, and it, and as soon as we do, I'll I'll be I'll be back on your radio show to 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 pr promote uh, what we're trying to do specifically. But the the general ask right now is call Congress and tell them to protect the Ability One program and jobs for people who are blind working on VA contracts. Mm -hmm. Great, and folks can do that by calling the 
Uh, U.S. Capital Switchboard at 202-224-3121. Again, that's 202-224-3121. And you can ask the switchboard to put you in touch with your member of Congress or your U.S. Senators. And again, ask them to uh, protect the Ability One program uh, and VA contracts. It's so easy to do, so we'd encourage everybody to do it. Great. Well, thank you so much, Dan. This has been, I know I've learned a lot and I think our listeners have learned a lot as well. So thank you so much for taking your time and speak with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Of course. And we will keep all of our listeners posted on what we find out. Um, again, we'll be um, submitting the amicus brief um, within the next few days. And then as we hear what, what the Supreme Court um, um, eventually we'll decide. We'll keep you guys uh, posted. If it does get a writ of cert, that means it'll go before the Supreme Court. And then if it does go before the Supreme Court, they do tend to take quite some time to hear the mm -hmm. case and then write up a decision. So um, we'll keep you posted on first if it receives a writ of certiorari and then if it goes further, what the final decision is. So we promise we will keep you up to date. Great. And again, Dan, thank you so much for uh, speaking with us today and sharing this issue that's important to a lot of ACB members. Thanks again. Thanks very much for having me and I hope I didn't ramble too much. No, not at all. Um, remember everybody, if you have any issues you want to bring to us, feel free to email us at advocacy at acb.org. And Clark, what do we always say? Keep advocating. Thanks everybody. So